My name is Jordan, if you're new for the first time or haven't been here in a while and haven't met me before. And we're going to be finishing up a series of messages, as Larry just mentioned, called Operation Andrew. And we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you have a Bible with you or um, on your phone or some device, I invite you to join along with us as we read and reflect on 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And 2 Timothy is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who is a younger ministry worker who worked alongside Paul. And this is how Paul begins this particular letter to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears, I long to see you that so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Skip forward to chapter 3, if you would, in looking at verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14, so it's probably just a page away. Paul continues and says, But as for you, speaking to Timothy here, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Would you join me in prayer as we continue? Father God, thank you for your word and that we have access to it and that you have revealed your life to us. Father, we have all separated from you in some form or fashion. If it weren't for you taking the initiative to share your life and have your life invade the reality in which we live in, we wouldn't know anything about you or the life that you have for us that we gave up in separating ourselves from you. Father, this morning as we reflect on your word, we ask that you would translate the words that we just heard and that we just read and that we just uh, engaged with, that you would translate those words into the details of our everyday life. That these wouldn't just be words on a page that were written hundreds of thousands of years ago, but that they would be words that are life-bringing to us in our day and age. Father, it's by the power of your spirit and through your son Jesus that we pray this. Amen. Over the past month, my family has been dealing with the ongoing hospitalization of my grandma. And as you would expect, my grandma is older and already on the backside of her life, on this side of death. Her health has fluctuated up and down over the past month. She's been in the hospital, then in rehab, then back in the hospital, and she hasn't really been home in a while. And her health has just fluctuated in in a way in which it's been hard to know what to expect Expect decline or expect improvement. This past weekend, I had the opportunity to visit with her in the hospital. I was able to use my I'm a minister card to get into the hospital under all the COVID stuff. And it's it's a sad situation because only my grandpa was allowed to be there. And my mom, my aunt, like the other people who care about my grandma who you know, are, are there to help make good decisions, couldn't be there. And, but thankfully to technology, they were able to be sort of present. But I was able to actually spend face-to-face time with her. And that's, again, why I wasn't here this last Sunday. 
But in getting to spend time with her, albeit not to the fullest extent because of her current illness, she isn't quite as cognizant as as we would like so that you can have a full conversation with her. But many thoughts and memories began to flood my mind of the many years that I've spent um, with her in my life. As well, many memories and thoughts were also shared by my siblings when we were together for, for meals and whatnot. And one of the memories that stood out to my brother and I specifically, my brother's actually the one that brought this up, but when he said it, it's like, oh yeah, that, that's true. My grandma would either prompt us always to get the door or to wait at the door until we held it open for her. Like every time we went to a restaurant or anywhere, she would either like, are you going to get the door for me? Or she'd stand there and literally just <laughs> wait until we would get the door. My grandma was very influential in the shaping of the manners in which I was raised to have as a young man. But beyond my grandma's words to hold the door or get the door for another lady, it was also the example of my grandpa that made the words and instructions stick. My grandparents didn't just talk about manners. They lived them. Over the past month, our messages have revolved around the theme that we've called Operation Andrew. Operation Andrew is a shorthand way of just talking about inviting another person to encounter Jesus because it's what we encounter one of Jesus' first disciples, Andrew, doing as he invited his brother Simon, later known as Peter, to meet Jesus. Operation Andrew is a shorthand way of referencing the way in which all people come to encounter Jesus through a simple invite. Over the past month, we've looked at a variety of situations from the Bible where everyday followers of Jesus invited a person in their life to meet, encounter, and engage with Jesus also. Today we are going to look at one last example from the Bible. We're going to look at the invite that a mother and grandmother offered to their son and grandson, and this person is Timothy. What we encounter in Timothy's story is that he came to encounter Jesus by his mother and grandmother's example of following Jesus. Timothy's story calls us to consider how sharing the good news message of Jesus, or the gospel message, that's what gospel means, good news. Sharing that good news of Jesus is never just a list of bullet points of truth that we present to someone. Sharing how Jesus is good news is never just a speech about what Jesus has done. Sharing how Jesus is good news is never just quoting a number of Bible verses to a person. No, sharing how Jesus is good news is always a message lived out by a person, which may very, may very well include words and points of truth in that the way that person lives that out. But those words and truth are always embodied in the everyday realities of a person's life. Jesus is good news to that person in and out of the everyday details of their life. Timothy's story calls us to consider how sharing the good news of Jesus or the gospel message is never detached from your everyday life. The gospel message is never detached from your everyday life. To most fully grasp the good news of Jesus, a person needs to encounter that good news in the life of a person. That could be your life, but it could also be the lives of those who are transformed in Scripture that we read about. Scripture is simply a witness of how Jesus has met and changed the characters that we read and hear about in the Bible. It's a list of stories, people who have actually encountered Jesus and had their everyday life transformed. It's it's a compilation of those things. Scripture is the good news of Jesus that people, people just like you and me, who have encountered Jesus firsthand. 
This past Monday, I was in our kitchen with my son Pace, and I was trying to get dinner around before Julia got home from work. I also had my computer there on the counter while I was trying to upload the sermon to YouTube from last week because I wasn't here, so I'm kind of backtracking. And I also had my daughter Rin screaming in the high chair in the background because she's teething and her mouth hurts constantly and she doesn't know, you know, what will satisfy that. And neither do I. So it's, she's, it's just ambiance as far as I'm concerned at this point. And while all this is going on, Pace is standing on a stool next to the counter and looking at something on the wall while singing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B, deep and wide. There's a mountain flowing deep, mountain deep and wide. There's a going to your house today. And yes, if you know any of those songs, you know he didn't complete any of them. He mashed up three different children's Bible songs together. One is about the Bible. One is about how God is the fountain of life. He said mountain instead of fountain. Uh, how God is the fountain of life that is deep and wide, is, and his love is as deep and wide as we can imagine. And one is about Zacchaeus who climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. And while I was impressed that he knew the songs and was singing them by himself unprompted, like he just started singing them, I cannot take credit for him knowing those songs. I have not spent time singing any of those songs with him, other than like he sings them and I kind of join in or something like that. But it's Pace's Mimi, Julia's mom, who has taught Pace those songs. And while Mimi lives miles away from us, gratefully due to video calling, Mimi has been able to invite Pace to encounter Jesus through those songs. But much deeper than the songs, Pace is able to see that the content of the songs, Jesus, is living in and out of his Mimi's life. We have an Operation Andrew taking place between Mimi and Pace. This is the same dynamic that the Apostle Paul describes of Timothy's upbringing in 2 Timothy 1 and chapter 3. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 15, Paul describes how Timothy became convinced of Jesus being the Christ, or the Lord of his life, and how that conviction is a direct result of what he learned from his mother and his grandmother. Though it's not directly referenced there in chapter 3, the two women have already been mentioned in the first chapter of 2 Timothy as being the source of Timothy's faith that he has in Jesus. And what Timothy learned from his mother and grandmother were the scriptures, the ancient witness of those who have encountered the presence of God in and through Jesus. And Timothy learned about the scriptures from infancy, from a very, very young age. This wasn't something that started when he was an adult or a young adult. It started when he was really young. But as 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 notes, Timothy didn't just encounter words from the scriptures or scripture writings to read or hear read out loud to him before he went to bed. That's not all that he really encountered. Maybe he did hear and encounter those words and maybe his mother and grandmother did do those things. But more fully, what Timothy encountered was the presence of Jesus living in his mother and grandmother through the Holy Spirit indwelling both of their lives. What Timothy encountered was God's presence lived in his mother and grandmother. And Paul affirms that because of God's presence living in and through Timothy's mother and grandmother, Timothy also then came to allow God's presence to live in his life as well. 
And Paul affirms that because of God's presence living in and through Timothy's mother and grandmother, Timothy came to allow that to also live in his life. Timothy's mother and grandmother invited Timothy to encounter Jesus through the example of their life as active followers of Jesus. Timothy's gospel encounter demonstrates how the gospel message of Jesus is never detached from your everyday life. The gospel message is never detached from your everyday life. The message of Jesus is most clearly shared when it's accompanied by a life striving to follow Jesus. I mean, we probably encounter this in a lot of other ways, right? We can read the words, but until we see someone do it in front of us, then it's like it clicks. It makes sense. Like, oh, that's what it looks like. It's not just a bunch of jargon or things we don't understand. We get the parallel of what it looks like to be lived out in someone's life. A little over 10 years ago, Chap Clark and Kara Powell conducted research to get clarified insights on what generally caused young people to stick with the Christian faith once they left high school, compared to those who ditched the faith and ditched the church after graduating from high school. They wrote a book about their findings called Sticky Faith, and it highlights you know, what they concluded from their research. One of the questions that was asked to graduating seniors was this question. Rank five groups in terms of the quality and quantity of support you received from them. And the groups that they gave them options were this. Friends inside of youth group, that was the first one. Friends outside of youth group, that was the second one. Youth leaders, that was the third one. Parents, that was the fourth one. And adults in the congregation, that was the fifth one. When Clark and Powell tallied the answers, they discovered that the group that was ranked number one was parents. As parents spend day in and day out with their kids, the parent can often be tempted to believe that their kids take their wisdom and insight the least serious compared to other influences in their kid's life. Like, why should I say it goes in one ear and out the other? That kind of thinking. And the thinking can often be like, surely a preacher or youth minister or this author or that speaker or this guru knows better how to point my kids to live a godly life. And part of getting caught in this temptation is that we parents likely evaluate our success in guiding our kids on a case-by-case basis. We probably think more of the failures than the successes. That's probably what sticks out to us more. And so the score sheet often looks like we're losing more than we're winning. It's probably why we overly celebrate and share with our friends when our kids actually follow through on our good advice instead of ignoring it. While offering support to our kids is important, Clark and Powell highlight that it is not the only way that we influence our kids. What is far more significant of of influence is how you express and live out your faith. So the point is, no amount of words you tell them is going to get the point across. But if they see it lived out, the words that you're talking about in your life, that's where it makes a big difference. Chap and Clark conclude this part of their findings by noting that a parent is far more than a launching pad for good advice to their kids. While a parent does provide that role, a parent also is an ongoing companion, a guide, and a fellow journeyer journeyer on the path of life and the path of following God. Because the reality is, as, as parents, we're not just giving advice to give advice that we don't actually have to take into account in our own life. Probably our parents or someone else gave that same advice to us, but we still have to make it a part of our life. And if our kids don't see us living out the things we're telling them to do, they're not likely probably going to do it. But they're probably more likely to do it if they see us doing what we're telling them to do. Because we're human beings. We're also followers of Jesus who are learning to live this life and faithfully do it as well. 
Because as much as our kids are our kids and we're the parent, at some point they're going to also, to some degree, be your brother and sister in Christ. They're going to also be part of the family of God. And you're on that same journey together with God as both our Heavenly Father. The bottom line is your example matters to your kids' development as a human being and as a follower of Jesus. And this, and this is following in the pattern of Timothy's experience with his mother and grandmother that we read about in 2 Timothy. The gospel message that your kids encounter from you can never be detached from your everyday life of following Jesus. The gospel message is never detached from your everyday life of following Jesus. One hurdle that seems to stand at, stand in our way of pursuing Operation Andrew, I think for a lot of us, is knowing who do we start with? Who do we invite first? Like, we can be overwhelmed with, like, yeah, there's all these people in the world, but who do I start with? The idea of sharing about Jesus with someone can often have the limited imagination of maybe people we've never met. Like, even Larry kind of talked about before, we, think, we often think about, well, that's going to this land I've never been to, to people I don't even know how to communicate, and that's, that's where our focus ends up being, rather than maybe looking right around us where the harvest is probably ripe already. But when we look at the story of Timothy's life, we see that one of the people whom Eunice and Lois invited to encounter Jesus was the little boy in their life each and every day. And while all people matter to God and would benefit from being invited to encounter the goodness of Jesus, an easy place to start, it's not the only place you go, but an easy place to start in pursuing Operation Andrew are the young people or persons in your life each and every day. Or if you're an empty nester, it's likely your grandchildren or the number of little people running around here each Sunday whom you can be around and be present to, to allow them to see God's presence living in and through your life. That could be a simple conversation in the lobby where that takes place, or it could be helping with the kids' programming during worship, or maybe it's sending a a child in the church a card during the week. Or maybe it's offering care, child care one afternoon or night for parents who would benefit from a few hours of being kid-free. The bottom line is, how can you be present with young people to help them encounter Jesus in and through your life? Again, you don't have to have this like message or thing ready to share to a kid, but how can you let them see Jesus living in and through your life? As you reflect on the story of Timothy and the influence that his mother and grandmother had on him coming to encounter the good news of Jesus, what step... Could you begin to take to further allow Jesus to more fully reside in your life? How can you allow Jesus to more fully reside in your life to help others encounter his life-changing presence in and through your life? It's not you that are special. It's God in you that's special. And how can we let God shine in and through our life? If you've just begun to encounter Jesus, but you haven't fully given your life over to his care and provision, then I invite you to consider baptism and surrendering your life fully to Jesus. If you'd like to take a step toward baptism, I encourage you to find myself or Mike or an elder of the, or any church member who you trust and make time to continue that conversation. We are all invited to participate in Operation Andrew. To whom can you begin sharing the good news of Jesus by sharing your life as a follower of Jesus with them? The gospel message is never detached from our everyday life. The gospel message is never detached from our everyday life. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for your word and thank you for the encouragement that it gives us in pursuing 
this Operation Andrew idea that we've been talking about. Father, thank you for those who have shared their life with us and their presence of life with us and allowed you to work and live in and through their life so that we can encounter you and come to know your goodness and your love and the life that you have for us. Father, open our eyes to see the plethora, the many opportunities that surround us, whether it's with young, old, whatever age, where we can just be present, spend time with those people, and allow your goodness to shine in and through our lives so that they can encounter you. Father, thank you that you have been so good to us. It's by the power of your Spirit and through your Son, Jesus, that we pray this. Amen.